think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Kings of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 327 of Low Limit Football on this 23rd of May, 2021. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Robert Lewandowski breaks Gerd Muller's scoring record with a 90th-minute goal in the final match of Bayern's championship season. Atletico Madrid are your 2020-21 La Liga champions. Today, a champion will be decided in Ligue 1, as well as European positions both in Italy and England and it is championship week as the Champions League and Europa League finals will be decided we're going to discuss that and much much more with our very special guest Nico DeGaio from the Can I Kick It podcast who will be joining us in just a little bit but first let me get my co-host in here Mr. Roberto Rojas how are you my friend I am very well Joe I'm very well I'm happy to see all these you know tournaments or should I say leagues start to, to finish obviously we've had entertaining seasons but Man, I'm excited for the international competitions and the World Cup qualifiers as well. That's yeah. kind of I've always been a big fan of international soccer more than club soccer, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mind any of them, but you know, it's something of that feeling of when like you know, those games for like the Euros and the World Cup qualifiers and the Copa America comes up that makes me much more excited. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm having a good time actually. I'm doing very well and, you know, it's Summer's almost here, man. That's the only positive thing that we can we can say. Well, up here in the Northeast, it's going to be very, very hot today, my friend. So it's a yep. it's a good day to maybe turn the air conditioning on, maybe get outside and enjoy a little weather. But obviously, is your is your pool open, by the way? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> uh, working on it. Uh, that is that is the next thing. It's going to be in, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to get that baby opened and ready to go. But hey, the grill has been fired up all at least all of May. I mean, you know me, I grill through the winter, so. But uh, yeah, I, I'm hey, exactly. that doesn't stop you at all. <laughs> nope, nope. And I, you know, right now my my biggest uh, concern is how do I set up my outdoor deck so that I can get a TV out there so I can watch the Euros on my deck. Uh, you know, you gotta uh, get, you gotta get like a big outlet, one of those kind of things. Yeah, I I I, I I'm just about ready to set it all up. And uh, you know, my biggest thing is I'm probably gonna have to find a TV to put out there. But that shouldn't be too, too bad. And uh, can't wait, man. It's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a good summer. I agree. And I we're, agree. And we're going to have good football. So 
Um, yeah, let's jump into it because this is a busy day uh, of a busy week uh, leading into a very busy month next month. So let's let's kick it right off. Uh, and I have the uh, trivia question today, my friend, if you would like. Uh, it's a it's not a it's not a terribly hard one, but it's a relevant one. If you're ready, go for it. All right. For it. So Real Madrid yesterday failed to win a single trophy this season, believe it or not, uh, losing their final opportunity with the uh, with the La Liga title to Atleti, as we had mentioned in the opening monologue. When was the last time Real Madrid failed to win a trophy in a season? I think I saw this question pop up. Okay. I think I saw it. This... I'm trying to remember the year because I know it happened recently. Mm-hmm. And this 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 question is compliments of ESPN FC, by the way. So uh, let's uh, all right. So let's get into it. Let's 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 get into opening thoughts here, my friend. And first and foremost, we're going to talk about. I know we're going to talk about Champions League and Europa League coming up with Nico in uh, in just a few minutes. So you and I are going to focus our opening thoughts on the races that uh, that are coming up. And they're going to finish today. So um, at the time of recording, England has not kicked off yet. Why don't we start in England, uh, Roberto, because I think it's a, a good place to start. Uh, we already have a champion, Manchester City. Uh, Manchester United definitely locked up second place. The races for the uh, the bottom five, uh, the bottom three or relegation are done. Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield all going down at this point. So what are we looking at? We are looking at three teams playing for two Champions League spots. We're looking for uh, you know teams trying to get into the new Europa Europa Conference League, and uh, the way it breaks down right now, Chelsea sixty seven points are currently in the driver's seat. They will face off against Aston Villa uh, later on this morning. Liverpool on sixty six points. They will face off Crystal Palace um, at the same time. The big one here, though. Leicester City, currently sitting fifth in the Europa League position. They will face off against Tottenham, who currently holds the Europa Conference qualification spot. Um, And that is uh, attempted to be taken over by Everton, who are tied with them on points and obviously just missing out on goal differential. You also have Arsenal looking to jump into that spot as well. And West Ham, currently sixth, looking to hold on to that place. The big match of the day right now in England, I think for me, is Leicester and Tottenham. Leicester losing two of their last three matches, losing uh, to Chelsea uh, and also losing to Newcastle. But at the same time, this is your FA Cup winner. Then we go over to Tottenham. Also losers of two of three, losing to Leeds and losers to Aston Villa just last week as well. How do you see this breaking down? And um, and also, do uh, Chelsea and Liverpool do enough if Leicester do win? Do Chelsea and Liverpool do enough to keep those spots, given Liverpool right now is only ahead of Leicester City by four goals tied on uh, points. What are your thoughts on how that one's going to break down? Yeah, it's going to be really tight, Joe. I think, you know, looking at this, I'm actually going to say that Leicester draw Tottenham in this one, um, I think. And and with that, uh, depending on what happens with Everton and Arsenal, uh, I don't know. I don't know who makes that final... Who makes that final spot, especially if uh, yeah, it's tight. Especially I mean, if you if you think Leicester Spurs will draw, um, yeah. I mean, because Arsenal play Brighton, Everton play City, uh, City. I right with a, with a, with City being completely focused on next Saturday. But but I'm still but you would assume that they're still going to go out and get the results. Yeah, oh, I think they I think they'll put a team out there. I don't think I don't think Pep is going to risk anybody though. I mean. You know, I, I don't. I don't think that you're going to see. You might get a heavy dose of Sergio Aguero um, yeah, today for City as his final, 
his final match, and I believe uh, that match is in Manchester. So, I mean, I, I don't know that they've opened up to fans yet. Uh, I'm not 100% positive if they have, but I, I've got to think that that is going to be 90 minutes from Sergio Aguero. Um, you know, right off the bat, I don't think they're going to risk Gag- Gabriel Jesus. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Kevin De Bruyne sat this one out. I wouldn't be shocked if Ruben Diaz sat it out, Ilke Gundogan. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys sat this one out. Um, so you've got to favor Everton's chances of at least grabbing a point, if not more. So the question is, does, I mean, and obviously Leicester and Spurs are going to go for it, right? I mean, they have to have this match. So, you know, a Leicester Spurs draw favors Everton, certainly favors West Ham. Um, you know, and, yeah, and obviously Chelsea and Liverpool. I, I, that's a, I yeah, I think I think Tottenham miss out. You think Tottenham I miss think out? Ars- I think Arsenal make out the Europa League. I think they make it out. Oh, they, over Everton. Over Everton. Okay, so, so they're going to leapfrog from ninth to seventh. Uh, West Ham will hold on to that spot, Does, and Leicester's going to go to the Europa next year. Yes, and so you're Liverpool. so you're top- Chelsea and Liverpool win. Yep. That's right. Chelsea and Liverpool move through. Okay, that's our. I mean, I I actually agree with that. It would be interesting to see again what, and I don't have any team lists at the moment, so it'd be interesting to see what kind of team City puts out there. And Ancelotti, I, you know, I know what he he needs to go for, so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Everton just sneak into that um, into that conference spot, or if they are if they miss out altogether. That's going to be interesting to see. So let's uh, l- let's move over to let's do France next. Would that be all right? So, so France, the interesting race, I mean, there are a couple of interesting races here. Let's, let's be honest. The first one that I want to bring up, just real quick because we're going to brush on it, Nantes currently sitting in 18th place, which is the uh, relegation playoff spot in France this year. If they win, given how other results will go, they could move as high as 13th, mid-table. So think about that. So Reims, Bordeaux, Strasbourg, Brest, Lorient, and Nantes all playing to avoid 18th spot at this point. Uh, Nîmes and Dijon are already relegated, and that, I, I think that's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch at three o'clock this afternoon Eastern time. Um, you know, you have to definitely catch one of those. But for me, the big one is is at the top. It, it's so interesting. I was kind of just looking over the the, the permutations here. Lil uh, currently sitting on top by one point are facing off against Angers. Angers is is actually one of those teams, Roberto, that is completely safe. They are not going to drop down. They're not going to get into a European spot. They are stagnant, dead in the water. They're currently sitting 12th. Um, and so Lil traveled to Angers to face them. PSG, one point behind them, uh, face off against Brest. Now, Brest is a team trying to avoid going down. Uh, so that is an interesting spot there as well. And believe it or not, Monaco have an opportunity to actually leapfrog them. Monaco can go anywhere from, um, from the Europa League to winning the league on title today, believe it or not, which is yes, crazy. but it would have, we'd have to take a lot from them to do it. Though it, it would, it absolutely would. But but the fact that mathematically they can go anywhere from first to fourth is crazy. Um, Monaco uh, are going to face off against Lens this morning or this afternoon. Lens looking to hold on to that European spot themselves over Rena, uh, currently leading one point. They're in, by one point. They're in sixth place at fifty six points, and. They hold the Conference League spot. Uh, they are trying to possibly catch Marseille, uh, who holds on to the Europa League spot. Lyon trying to get into the Champions League at 76 points ahead of Monaco, um, hold the other Europa League spot. This is this is tricky, but let's focus on, on Lille PSG because 
you know, to see a team like Lil come up here and, and do this and fight all the way to match 37. They've only lost three matches so far in league on the season. They, they've been an incredible story. They are, uh, they're pretty much locked into champions league for next year, which is great to see. Uh, they last week drew um, San Etienne nil, nil in, in a match that many felt, um, you know, that, that they should have won. Uh, they were held goalless. I think it was for the third time in the season, which is which is crazy. But now they they move on to this Angers side, an Angers side that is uh, is not very good offensively. Only thirty nine goals in thirty seven matches, and they've conceded fifty six. So does Lille win the title this uh, you know this afternoon against Angers, or do they leave the door open for PSG to go running through it? Given that PSG um, have a team that basically have absolutely nothing to play for. Yeah, they've gone this far. They've gone this far. I, I don't know how they wouldn't screw up. Yeah. It, it, it's reminiscent of what we saw in La Liga the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think, think they do it. I, I, I think, think they I think we'll do it as well. I think uh, I think they, they they realize their missed opportunity last week against San Etienne. And uh, and I think they take it to it. And I, and I apologize. I said Brest uh, have nothing to play for. Brest have everything to play for. They because, do, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to get relegated. Exactly, they're trying to avoid relegation. Um, last question. You know, everyone's wondering about Eduardo Camavinga and and what might end up happening to him on the, you know, on the season. Rena are going to face off against Nimes. Uh, Nimes is already relegated, and Lens holding on to that spot that that conference spot are going to face off against Monaco. Monaco, again, are trying to avoid dropping into the Europa. Uh, Lyon are there chasing their heels. Um, do we see Rena take that over, or does Lens stay in that spot and uh, and go to the conference? Um, or even does Marseille fall out? Marseille has actually had a you know a pretty decent turnaround since uh, Jorge Sampaoli took over for them. And mm-hmm. and obviously, last match for Florian Tovan, who will be going to um, to Tigres to join Andre Pierre Gignac. Uh, does does Marseille hold on to that spot? They do. they do, they do. But I think Rennes make the final spot over over Lens on this one. Correct. Okay, I, I I like that as well. I I think that is going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how that one goes. Last one, my friend. Uh, let's go to Italy. Um, obviously, we've crowned a champion in Inter. Uh, we have our three relegated sides: uh, Benevento going down uh, currently on thirty two points. Cannot catch Torino. Torino, by the skin of their teeth, uh, survive another year in the Serie A. Crotone and Parma also going down. Parma only winning three matches this season. Boy, I guess Kulusevski or losing him really, really made a big difference uh, in that match. Inter are your champions, as we already know. Atalanta have locked themselves into a Champions League spot. They cannot be caught for that. So they are second. They scored 90 goals this season, which is an amazing feat for Atalanta again. Uh, But it's it's not surprising either at the same time, given how we've already seen them score goals for fun over the last few years. So so the, the, the talk right now is two spots, two Champions League spots for three teams. Uh, three giants, right? AC Milan yep. currently holding it at 76 points. Napoli in second place at 76. Um, I'm sorry, Napoli in fourth, tied with AC Milan, but missing out on um, actually not even a goal differential. I think it's head to head in uh, fourth place at uh, 76 points. And then nine time champion Juventus uh, losing their title, winning the Coppa Italia uh, against Atalanta uh, midweek but sitting one point behind both of them. Looking at the matches coming up this afternoon, 
AC Milan with the toughest one, uh, Atalanta. And what kind of Atalanta are you going to get? Are you going to get a team that's looking to go out on a high note after losing the Coppa Italia? Um, or are you going to get somebody that's just going to kind of mail it in? Napoli facing Verona. Verona is a team you know that is that is solidly in that uh, in that mid table spot. Uh, Juve travel to Bologna. Bologna is another team in that spot as well. So we've got those races there, and we also have, believe it or not, Roma Sassuolo. Um, who are both playing for that conference spot. Currently, Roma on 61 points, Sassuolo on 59. Roma is looking to play against Spezia, who is, again, safe. And uh, Sassuolo, Lazio, the other uh, Roman side. Uh, Lazio are definitely going to Europa. They're not going to be able to catch Juve, Napoli, or AC Milan. So let's look at the, the two Champions League spots first. And then, actually, let's let's reverse it. Roma, Sassuolo, um Who's going to the conference tournament? Will it be Roma or Sassuolo? I think it's Roma, personally. I think Roma will go, too. I think Lazio will, will definitely want to go out on a higher note here. Um, and Sassuolo, for as great a season they had, if you remember, um, all the way up until, I think, December or January, they were running in Champions League spots, and they just had a little bit of falter yep. after. Yeah, but the, right. Again, a fantastic season. Um, but I do agree. I think Roma will do that as well. And obviously, Jose Mourinho coming in, they're going to want to keep that spot. Um, so the big one, AC Milan... Napoli, Juventus, which one of those three is going to the Europa League? You go first. I knew you were going to do that to me. <laughs> um, I think AC Milan is going to go to the Europa League. I think uh, I think Atalanta is is Atalanta. Atalanta gives you uh, their top speed every game. They they don't know how to play a laid back match. Uh, Gasparini doesn't know how to hold these kids back. They are are very aggressive. They want to win every single time they step on the pitch. And I think there's nothing different here. I think, you know, also when you look at it, there's there have been a, stories going out that if Atalanta lose this match and, and fall, let's say, to fourth, uh, you know, still in the Champions League, but it literally costs the team 10 million euro if they lose the match. So So even on the surface, they're playing for money. But this is a team that right now in their DNA does know does not know how to stop. Um, so I think Atalanta win this match against AC Milan, and uh, you know, and obviously playing in Bergamo, Bergamo as well. I think that they'll do that. Uh, I think Napoli are going to win, and and I do think Juve is going to win. I think Juve needed that kick in the pants that they got winning the Coppa Italia. Um, I also think, my friend, that even when Juve not win if Juve make the Champions League giving that they won two trophies this year believe it or not it's not going to be enough to save Andrea Pirlo's uh season or or his job I think ultimately they're going to look at this and say okay we messed up they're going to bring somebody else in I know the talk of Max Allegri going to um Real Madrid is very very high right now I know people want to see Zidane but can we bring him in on, on those wages I don't know um but I do see uh Andrea Pirlo not staying there and uh, and I think that would be good. I think I, you know, we've talked about it. The day of, the the club, uh, the love of the club for that one player to become the head coach, I think, is something that you know is going to go out. Frank Lampard. We've talked about it before, and, but I do think Juve do win the match against Bologna, and I do think that they go on to Champions League. So, how about you, my friend? I agree. I think Milan go on to the Europa League. I, I just I I don't see how they're going to stop a. A good side like Atalanta. Mm-hmm. I think the best they can do is for a draw and hope that you. But you got a lot to ask for from Hellas and from Bologna. 
uh, to get something out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think Juve, after what a crazy season they've had, mm-hmm. they're going to make the Champions League next season. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, let me ask you this. Does mm-hmm. Gigi Donnarumma stay at AC Milan if they don't make Champions League? That's, yes. He does. Okay. That's the million-dollar yeah, question well, right now. Yeah, well, yeah, but but here's the thing. Where is he going to go? I mean, well, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. I'm just saying, it, yeah. personally, it would only make sense for him to stay for now. Yeah. That's that's going to be, you know, hopefully sometime during the summer we'll be able to get David Amoyal on the on the show, and and that will definitely be his question. <laughs> to answer for sure. So definitely. Um, all right. So and again, you know, we're going to try to get this recording up as soon as possible because matches kick off as early as 11 a.m. in England. So we want uh, this to be somewhat relevant um, and, and we'll definitely push that uh, that there's some previews here as well. So let's table that discussion now and uh, let's bring on our guest. Before we started recording the segment, we had Nico DeGaio from the Can I Kick It podcast join us to look at Champions League, Europa League finals coming up this week and even touch on a little bit of the Euros that are going to just start in just a few weeks. Um, so we had a great time chatting with him and he's always a pleasure to have on. So without further ado, the Nico DeGaio interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from the Can I Kick It podcast, Nico DeGaio. Nico, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we're going to look into Champions League and Europa League here now. This will be our preview show for those two competitions coming up this week. And I want to start out with uh, Ruben Diaz, winning uh, Player of the Year award, first defender to do it since Stevie Nichols in the uh, in the EPL what kind of effect has Ruben Diaz had on this Manchester City side? I know many people would have looked at Ike Gundogan. They would have looked at Kevin De Bruyne, but it was Ruben Diaz that won it. What does he bring to the table that's so different that really, um, in your opinion, would make, that might be in your opinion, would make City favorites over Chelsea in the Champions League final? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks guys for, for having me on, Roberto and Joe. It's always a pleasure. Love the pod. Um, you know, Ruben Diaz has had one of those impacts where you can't, specifically point to one thing, or there's not a certain stat that he had that jumps off the page. I think what he did that was most impressive from a City fan's perspective is how he changed the back line. You know, he, he helped revitalize guys, you know, like John Stones. He even had a great effect on Zinchenko in the latter stages of the season. Um, and anyone that can come in and, and replace Emmerich Laporte after the couple of seasons he's had is obviously... Is pretty incredible. And he's doing it at 23 years old. You know, lots of people are overlooking the fact that he's so young. Uh, and he's really just changed the mentality. Pep had a quote this week about his impact. And I think the biggest thing that jumped off the page was his thoughts on his leadership. He basically said, this is going to be a guy who's going to have the armband soon, right? We knew he was a, 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 you know, a very impactful player to a team. We didn't expect the type of impact he had that quickly. So, you know, he, he's not Van Dyke yet. I know that's the conversation everyone likes to have, but he's definitely done something. You know, obviously he's still very young, and we can only hope that he'll be at City for many, many years. But is this – and Joe, I think you could remember correctly how City kind of needed that leader in the back line that, you know, Vincent Company was and you know, before when he left. They just didn't have that. So, you know, I want to go back to you and thinking and say, Lindy is that person to build your back line for, uh, for the next – couple of years, I guess. Oof, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> That's just about the best answer I can give as of now. You know, it's a place, company leaving, and Diaz has done a great job so far. Of course, he'll never 
probably be what Vincent Company was to not just City, but City fans and, and the community especially. I, I could only hope he can. Uh, but it's going to be hard to fill those shoes. But it's definitely a big reason why this team took a big shift. There was a kind of yearn and, and, a, and a need for someone to step up and take the mantle of leadership. And I think the two people that, you know, did, two or three people that did, Sterling, De Bruyne, and Fernandinho, the three captains, aren't as vocal or possibly maybe not Sterling as much because he's connected with the fans, but directly connected with the fans. You know, there's language barriers. Fernandinho isn't as social. He doesn't do as many interviews. He's not necessarily the face of the club. Uh, and we've been looking for someone to take that, that mantle. And I think Diaz took a huge step to, to replacing the, the large shoes that Vincent Company left for sure. But w- would you go out and say that he's the best defender in the world right now? Whew. I mean, right now, you know, base it off the last six to 12 months or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think I'd be confident in saying he's up there. But, you know, you're going to have to see how he plays at his first major tournament this summer in the Euros. Uh, if he makes as much of an impact as he did to City this season, I think then you start having a conversation as a long term as well. He's now in that conversation, but you know it's been one year. You know it's it's there's so much to play for still with the Champions League final and Euros, and you know you just hope he stays healthy. But he's got to be a name you're tossing in there. I don't think you can. I don't think there is anyone that can knock off Virgil Van Dyke off that perch from a macro perspective, but from a micro perspective of this season, he's definitely the the number one guy on the team sheet for sure. Well, Joe, and and I wanted to go back to you on this one because it's good that he mentioned Van Dyke Mm -hmm. because I think, yes, on his day, this is Van Dyke we're talking about, he is probably the best defender in in the world, but obviously with the injuries and not having that consistent form, Ruben Diaz comes in and kind of takes that, you know, position and, and role as being one of the best. I mean, would you go out and say that he's up there as maybe the best defender in the world? Or do you see someone else that, you know, we've seen in obviously maybe in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, whatever it may be, that could indeed take that title? You know, I, I, I think like Nico said, he's he's in the conversation for sure at this point, especially whether Virgil van Dijk is there or not. Um, I think uh, Marquinhos has done an incredible job at PSG, especially, you know, taking the captain's band uh, there. Uh, I think he's done very, very well. I think everyone still looks at Kalido Koulibaly at uh, Napoli as one of those uh, players. You've got the trio of defenders at, at Inter who have done a, an incredible job this year. Um, Stefan de Vrij is probably the, the the standout of the three there. But um, but yeah, Ruben Diaz has, has got to be that one, uh, that one person that everyone's talking about. I think... Um, you you wait to see what happens with Virgil van Dijk when he comes back finally. And I know he's going to miss the Euros uh, this year. I think that's already been decided. So when he does come back next year for Liverpool, what does Virgil van Dijk look like? Uh, is is he still the same Virgil van Dijk that, that we expected before? I mean, we see Giorgio Chiellini come, go through an ACL reconstruction and not look quite the same as, as he used to. But again, Giorgio Chiellini's 36 years old, where Virgil van Dijk still has quite some youth to him. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what van Dijk comes back as, but... You know, I, I think at this point, Virgil Van, I'm sorry, Ruben Diaz is in the discussion, and certainly with some of those names that I just mentioned, would would certainly certainly be at the top of the list on any given day to be the best defender in the world right now. 100. percent Now going into the Champions League that you had mentioned, um, Nico, obviously the big game at uh, the Estadio do Dragão in Porto, Manchester City against Chelsea. Man City looking for their first ever title uh, ever. Chelsea going for the first ever title in since uh, 2012. 
I, I think we would say that City are the favorites in this game, but I wanted to speak more about what's going on with Chelsea because obviously here in the States, we are obviously very expecting on what happens to Christian Pulisic. And obviously, I think what uh, we have seen of Pulisic, at least under Thomas Tuchel, is a player that, you know, gets his minutes, but, you know, I think given his performances in which he is able to show um, that he deserves to be a starter, at least consistently for Chelsea. So I wanted to ask that, and do you feel as if, though, you know, Chelsea kind of are going to be um, at a disadvantage not starting Christian Pulisic on, in, on, um, on, in the final? This weekend, it's tough. Um, he doesn't have an easy job because there isn't necessarily a clear eleven. He's been rotating some guys here, some guys there. Um, so we'll have to see what he does. In my opinion, I think he would be incredibly effective. I know this is going against <laughs> my American soccer brain, but I guess this is my rational brain speaking. I think he would be best in this situation coming off the bench. Uh, the way he presses, the energy he brings to a, to a game is incredible. Uh, he's very effective at, at, at kind of the high press or getting the ball and bringing it up the field, um, you know, staying wide and beating players one-on-one. Um, in a Champions League final where you're going to have to assume the tempo will be a little slow to start, teams are going to feel each other out, uh, City will likely have a large part, uh, part of the possession and all this happens until a goal is scored. And I think in the second half, 60, 70th minute, he's a perfect sub to, to bring on energy, change the energy, try to change the momentum, uh, at least in a game like this, right? If we're talking Chelsea's playing against a team where they'll control a lot of the ball or, or they'll dictate the pace, I think he's a great guy for 90 minutes. Um, he, he's that injection of energy that I think would be perfect for that team. But, you know, I don't envy Thomas Tuchel's job in, in picking an 11 for this game, uh, especially, you know, we'll have to see I think Conte should be healthy, uh, but you, you won't have uh, Kovacic, I don't believe. So we'll have to see. You know, I, I think he would be best coming off the bench, but you know, we've seen how effective he is when he starts as well. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's absolutely vital that a player like him does get the minutes because we can see what kind of impact that he has. And I think the question will be, you know, is he good enough to go from the start and, and you know, for Chelsea to go on the on the get-go to get something? Or do you feel that... You know, when things are getting tired and you need that kind of spark, you get it from the bench. So, no, it's, it's going to be very interesting, and I can't wait to see what happens. Now, shifting gears, obviously, you mentioned the Euros, and we did see a couple of squads be announced. We saw the likes of Belgium announce their squad. We saw Portugal. We saw many other teams now starting to, to bring their squad as the tournament starts to come up. But I think the big one that everyone has on their mind is France, the world champions. Obviously, we saw a team that is full of absolute depth. And now you bring in Kareem Benzema back onto the side. You know, Nico, I mean, yes, it is a, it is very hard. I mean, it's been done, I think, twice in the last 20 years or something that uh, a world champion goes into the Euros and, and wins it. Um, France had done it beforehand. Spain also have done it as well. But, you know, I'm looking at this side, and of course we still have to wait until teams like England and, and many other teams as well make their squads but I personally for my money looking at how good the squad is and you even look I was looking at the I think the U21 side and I'm thinking you know if that was an actual team in the Euros they would definitely go far so I have to ask is anyone going to stop this France side at the Euros I mean do you see them right now as the undisputed favorites because for my money I, I just I cannot see anyone yes they can compete and go for it but 
I, I think these guys have the best opportunity to be European champions uh, next month. Hey, it, you nailed it. Like, you can't not look at that squad and just think, how can they not win this, right? Like, this, there's so many good players. The depth is incredible. There's not a single position you could say at the back, maybe. But, you know, they, they're so balanced, and their attack will – I'm sure they're going to score lots of goals in the Euros. But you just never know. I mean, I would put them down as favorites. I'm a betting guy myself. I won't be betting on them because of that fact, right? You don't have too much value in a favorite in these in these tournaments per se. But oof, I mean, this team is so good. You just have to wonder: uh, can they do like a magical run like they did in the World Cup a few years ago, um, where they kind of beat some teams you'd expect they'd have trouble with handedly, right? Most notably Argentina. <sighs> It's, it's going to be interesting, though. I mean, you look at the Portugal team, and they're a dark horse here, right? You know, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo leading the team, but then you bring in the young studs like Diaz, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, João Felix, right? And then you have Spain, who has lots, lots of great talent as well, especially young talent coming through. Kind of an unproven squad can see them breaking through and having their moment. Germany, you know, I don't need to tell you what Germany can do in a major tournament. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, so you've got lots of teams here in England as well. Um, that I wouldn't say banking on England winning a, a major trophy is, is something that you should do, but it's going to be interesting. You know, it's so hard to, to say who will win, especially when you don't know what the path to the final is, or, you know, there's going to be a, a, a quarterfinal, you know, powerhouse matchup, I'm sure. So we'll have to see, but, you know, France is definitely that team that everyone's looking at and pointing at saying, hey, you know, this one's this one's kind of yours to win. But it's the beauty of major tournaments. You just don't know. You never know who's healthy and what what team just finds that magical run and what goalie stands on his head. And so I, I can't wait. It feels like forever since we've had a, a major a major tournament. So uh, but I, I would say it's it's France's to lose somewhat with that squad. Nico, I want to jump in here because. Before all of that starts in the Euros and before even the Champions League kicks off, we've got the Europa League final midweek here between Manchester United and Villarreal. Uh, Many want to rename this the Unai Emery Cup because he seems to win it over and over and over again. And here he is again with his Villarreal side. Looking into this match, uh, you know, and leading into the match, we had Villarreal who was who had actually something to play for on the weekend, uh, even though they lost to Real Madrid. Real Madrid obviously going for that uh, that title, um, losing it to Atleti on the weekend. But uh, Villarreal was trying to get into the Europa League again as a uh, as a player. Betis uh, managing to win their match against Celta Vigo, knocking Villarreal out with their loss. So now they're going into that conference uh, league, that uh, the newly created conference league. So we look at this match coming up. Obviously, you would have to favor United on paper and, you know, the strength of of the team, Bruno Fernandes, all that stuff that comes along with it. But you can never really count out Unai Emery in this one. How do you see this one uh, going down uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, uh, so I think if you're a United fan watching what happened in La Liga yesterday, you are more nervous today than you probably were a week ago. Uh, and I say that because you're looking at a Villarreal team who went to Madrid, and I know that they didn't win, but they played very well and were winning for a large portion of the match. So that's the first thing that I think you might say as a United fan, like, uh-oh, this is, this, is, this, is, this is a good team, first thing. Second thing, they also beat Sevilla recently 4 nothing, right? So this is a team that is capable of beating quality teams. You have Unai Emery at the helm, who we all know what he can do in a Europa League, especially a Europa League final. But they're also now playing for everything. 
You know, I mean, United have already qualified, and I know that you can't look at these things and say, oh, well, they're professionals. There's already so much on the line. Do they need more motivation? The fact is, a Villarreal team who's desperate to win this game is someone you don't want to have to go up against. So I think after watching this team this weekend and now knowing what the implications are for this Villarreal team, I think as if you're a United fan, you know, you know you're the favorites. You know you should probably win, but this isn't going to be a, a walk in the park here uh, as much as many would think, especially if, if you're looking at this match. You might not have a, a Harry Maguire. You might not have the possibility of a Martial coming off the bench, right? Um, you don't have a best 11. Is Cavani going to start? Is, is Gre- you going to give the nod to Greenwood? So it's going to be interesting. I think United, like you said, are, are the favorites on paper, but this is a Villarreal team that you do not want to look past. They, they, aren't, they aren't a walk in the park, that's for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so normally in this part of the program, we would ask you for our predictions uh, of these two matches, but I'm going to ask it to you in a different way. I'm going to ask you that on Sunday morning when you wake up, is Manchester, is Manchester England, title town? I'm going to say yes. I think uh, City and United do do the double here for the Manchester squads in the, in the finals. Uh, I definitely very much hope Man City wins. Uh, just thinking about the game uh, makes my hand shake right now. Um, <laughs> but I think that would make for a really awesome Supercopa, you know? Like a, a City-United leading into the, the season next year would make for a really fun game, especially, you know, we've got fans back and maybe they put that game at Wembley. I don't know if they've already decided where it would be, but that would definitely make for a, a fun event. But I, I think United will, will win. Um, and I think, and I think Man City, I hope <laughs> will win against Chelsea. So there's going to be two great games. You know, I, I, I it's obviously a final, so no matter what, it's going to be entertaining. But uh, I think after so long, um, we've just been through a lot this past year, and the season felt like it's gone on forever. So I'm really happy with how these two finals have shaped out to be. Roberto, same question to you: Is Manchester title town at the end of the week? I do. You do. I really do. I think um, you know City are going to go into this game with a lot of momentum. I think obviously, uh, with the side that they have and how they've been performing in the in the Premier League, that they definitely have the potential to to cause something. I, I think for Manchester United, though, I think yeah, uh, you. I really think you shouldn't underestimate VRL in any case because, you know, this is a side that, you know, obviously are here to compete, that really want their made in Europa League um, Europa League title. When Amory's obviously won this tournament multiple times, so he knows how to play these type of matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, it, I think both games will be very, very tight. Honestly, I, I don't see any of them really getting convincing with like a 2-0, 3-0, that kind of thing. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think both teams get the job done and capture both the Champions League and the Europa League back to Manchester. Gentlemen, I, I, I want to agree with both of you at the same time and make it unanimous. I do think that it will be title town on Sunday morning. Uh, the one thing, though, that I'm going to add as a bold prediction, uh, and, and Roberto, you kind of hinted to it a little bit. I feel like the United-Villarreal match will go into extra time. Uh, I, I don't think Villarreal can be underestimated, just like Chelsea can't be underestimated. You know, Thomas Tuchel is is one year, barely one year removed from this competition's final as it stands, and I think he's got the pulse of Chelsea. So I don't think City is going to walk on Chelsea. I think it still will be a tight game. My worry about the Champions League final is that, and Roberto, you and I have commented on this many, many times over the season, it seems that when we see two uh, two teams from the quote-unquote top six in England play each other, it tends to be 
drab where we expect like all these goals and we expect all this high flying action and it just tends to be kind of locked down. I think I think Liverpool and City have kind of given us a couple of, of stinkers like that this year. And and so I anticipate that the match will start out very, very cagey like Nico, like you alluded to. Um very cagey, very, you know, tenacious. There won't be a lot of, of craziness going on. And it wouldn't shock me that 30 minutes into this match in the Champions League final that we're looking at a nil-nil. Um, I do think City will will finally, you know, through their possession, will we'll end up finally breaking them down. Um, I think the midfield that Chelsea will put out there will probably be the best one they could do, especially with N'Golo Conte and Jorginho in terms of when they do regain possession to kind of control possession and, and move forward with it. And you'll have to see Nico, like you had mentioned, does, does Pulisic off the bench offer that spark, especially if this match, let's say is nil nil at the 60th minute, then I think city might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but I do think that overall they will, they will win this match. I do think, however, that Unai Emery is so experienced in this Europa league final that it would not shock me at all that, that United and Villarreal go all the way to added time and then somebody pips a goal in added time to uh, to win it for United. Uh, I don't think it'll go to penalties at that one. So, um, Nico, before we let you go, any closing thoughts? And then we'd like to let everybody know where you can find your work, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my closing thoughts would be um, that hopefully the next time I speak to you, Man City are, are, are Champions League winners. Um, that's it's a big hump for, for city fans, our first ever final, um, let alone, would it be our first ever trophy? So it, it would be something that I think would be in, incredible for these, for these players. And most importantly, Sergio Aguero. Um, I think my closing thoughts would be, uh, we say goodbye to, to a legend uh, of the premier league and a guy who changed the league forever, a guy who changed man city forever, the guy who changed uh, perceptions of international players, um, as well forever. So just want to say respect to Sergio Aguero and thank you for everything you've done. And I want to say uh, that I hope Man City go on to do it, not just for us, but but for him. And uh, that, that would be my closing thought. Here, here. I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, again, before we let you go, where can everybody find your work, my friend? You got it. So I'm on Twitter at Nico DeGaio, and I you know took a little bit of a break writing for my blog, but we plan on picking it up in the near future called Can I Kick It? And regardless, you know, soccer, anything not soccer, if you ever want to shoot me a message and have a chat, I'm, I'm always open to do so. My DMs should be open to have them checked, but I don't get too many. But, um, you know, Nico DeGaio on Twitter, N-I-C-O-D-E-G-A-L-L-O. Awesome stuff, man. Thanks again for coming on the show and joining us and uh, looking forward to watching the matches this weekend and touching base with you again on it very soon, my friend. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. And special thanks again to Nico DeGaio for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got uh, an abbreviated version of Match of the Week coming up right now because of, of the way the schedule breaks down. So, again, today at the time of this recording, England will kick off in just a little bit, in just about an hour. Uh, we hope to have this up and running to give you that as a preview for the uh, matches today. Italy will kick off at 2.45 p.m. and then France at 3 p.m. as well. And we gave you all the matches and uh, permutations to watch out for there as well. This week, midweek, we have Copa Libertadores kicking off. And then next weekend, we'll have a heavy dose of MLS on the schedule as well. But the big matches this week, Wednesday, 3 p.m., the Europa League final, Villarreal, Manchester United. And on Saturday, 3 p.m., the Champions League final, the culmination of the season, Manchester City, Chelsea coming up. 
and we gave you our predictions. We do both. We do both believe that Manchester will be title town when you wake up on Sunday morning. So, Mr. Rojas, I gave you a quick trivia question at the beginning of the show. I'll repeat it for you now. Uh, Real Madrid failed to win a single trophy this season. When was the last time this happened? I am going to say 2006. Close, very close, my friend. It is the 2009-2010 season, the last time Real Madrid failed to win a trophy in a season. That is compliments of ESPN FC, my friend. So, without further ado, everything on the list is covered. Let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. Let's do it. And everyone, uh, enjoy Championship Week this week as uh, we go through it. So, for Episode 327 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Nico DeGaio for joining us next week. We will recap the Champions League and start to give you the uh, rundown on European Championships gold cup and continue to cover mls and copa libertadores as well as well as possibly the copa america so for episode 327 of low limit football i am joe ucello i am roberto rojas thanks for listening everyone and good night